Welcome to Endo Battery, where we are sharing our endometriosis journey and learning along the way. This podcast is in no way meant to diagnose or give medical advice, but a place where you can gain knowledge and information that can help you to not feel alone as well as become your best advocate. We want to learn with you and support you wherever you are in your journey. Thanks for joining us. I'm Shelby. And I'm Alana, and we're Endo Battery, charging our life when Endo drains us. Welcome back to Indo Battery. Today, we are very honored and very privileged to have the one, the only Dr. Sally Sorrell with us, who is someone that we look up to immensely because not only is she in the forefront of advocacy, but she's also the one that doesn't sit back and just wait for others to speak out about endometriosis and other pain factors with endometriosis and all the stereotypes that go with it. She has put in so much work. She's the one that puts on the summit primarily with Dr. Vidali. She, we just look up to her so much in what we're doing. So thank you. Dr. Sally Sorrell for coming on and joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. I think you guys are taking the podcast world by storm and I am an endo battery listener. So this is fabulous. Thank you so much. That means a lot. It does. Coming from two people who were like, we just need to speak about it. We just have to talk about it. Get the word out, you know? So that means a lot to us because it's... um, it's a scary place to be, to mm-hmm. be an advocate sometimes. So, yeah, but I love one thing I love about your podcast is it is just a place to speak. It isn't like um, necessarily a classroom, though you do do some teaching. It isn't necessarily like uh, a burn it all down platform. It's a, it, you've really given voice to people who need it to be heard. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We, we all need to be heard. And something that needs to be heard even more is that you have put so much work into creating the Endometriosis Summit. We'll talk about that real fast because that's where we met you. Mm-hmm. That's where we have really gained steam in talking about half of what we talk about is the things that you have presented at the summit. And so thank you for creating a space for both doctors, advocates, practitioners, support people, patients, it, patients yeah. everyone genius. Your genius is really what I'm saying. Oh, well, I don't think it's just me. Dr. Vidali is plenty genius as well, but he and I were hanging out in the OR one day and he was doing a technique not a lot of people know about. And I said, people should really see this. And he, and then he said, well, we'll have a conference. Like we thought it was nothing (laughs) like, right. And then I said, well, let's not just have the same thing. And he go, and literally, cause this is him. Well, no more bullshit egos. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Can That's very that. Vidali. Yeah. So we decided right away nothing should be hidden from the patient. Yeah. And totally. then I think he thought I was kidding. And then I called him at five o'clock the next morning. It was like, could you go get us a room? Could you? And he's like, wait, we're really doing this. And, <laughs> and the Endometriosis Summit has only grown from there. Of course, we have our webinar series. We have the conference. Mm -hmm. We do have a podcast. I'm terrible at editing. And we just keep building momentum. We hope to be offering CME this year. And we really believe that nothing for the patient without the patient. That's Mm -hmm. really a big deal. And then of course, because I'm pelvic physical therapist and a person with endometriosis, I know that it's not only about surgery. Mm -hmm. That there's so many aspects to it, whether it's healing from trauma, 
whether it's learning to find your voice, talking to a family member and understanding how to do that to the pain is being driven by the bladder. The pain is coming from the hernia. The pain could be from the pelvic floor. The pain could be not necessarily pain, but lifestyle changes could be super important. Mm -hmm. And I think we try to present that at the endometriosis summit each year. Yeah, which I think is really good for both doctors and everyone else to be together to talk about those things because we don't necessarily have an understanding from the patient standpoint what the doctor sees, what they kind of experience, but they don't always know outside of the surgery room or the the exam room the results or they don't know other factors that you know, pelvic pain PTs are coming in and talking about. So that was extremely powerful for us. And I think the thing that resonated the most with me was the fact that there are so many different pain contributors, not just endo, Mm -hmm. not just, oh, you're in a pain cycle because, you know, you did X, Y, and Z. There's years of trauma to your body or times that you maybe... I don't know if defects is the way to say it or, but there's other contributing factors that cause our pain. Mm -hmm. And well, it's funny that you talk about um, is defects the word, which this morning I was playing tennis and they, it had to be winners stay and losers move, but we didn't want to use the word losers. So it was like (laughs) half an hour to figure people who did not tend to get as many games. We didn't know what to say to people, but you know, we did a, a breakout, uh, not this year, but last year on the language that mm-hmm. we use. Mm-hmm. And so I, as a medical person, use a lot of language that could have a negative connotation, but right. I've learned, I try not to, but I've learned really how bad that is for the brain of somebody who has experienced a lot of medical trauma. Mm-hmm. So right. we should think we, we'll have to do that. We'll have to think by, we have till next March to think of a better word than defect. Right. I also use the word comorbidity and yeah. it really, that's mm-hmm. a terrible word because right. we're not, there's nothing morbid, even mm-hmm. though you feel like death, right. but they're not comorbidities. We should think of a better word than that. Co- concomitant symptoms. I don't know. I don't know. Or, you know, dominant symptoms. One. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I, but it's dominant. What's the connotation? There? I know. Right. right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. right? We yeah. really, we really have to go through the thesaurus to get, to the bottom of this. I I haven't pulled one of those out in a while. Tracy Scherer is a great interview for this. If you ever want to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she did the work. She did the workshop for us. Okay. Yeah. 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 That would be good. Today. We're going to be talking about pelvic pain generators with you and what you have now coined. You've trademarked the name, right? Right. I have. So today we're talking about gynecology. I love it. I think I did not, I'm going to be fair. Props to Dr. Mark Zolan who founded the field. I feel like he really put a name to it, but I feel like gynecology is sort of everything we're looking for as people with endometriosis that deals with everything really from the belly button down to about the middle thigh. Though I do Mm -hmm. think the knee Mm -hmm. is oftentimes involved. And my problem with gynecology is that it's a single lens, mm-hmm. right? So even, so first of all, the OBGYN, they tend to have the single lens. We'll have to do a whole second podcast on my <laughs> anger. Yes. But, so 
OBGYN tends to do a, have a lens of this is the baby making part, right? right? But, but we don't need, it's not, we don't need that, but we need a focus that says, this is the human uh, issues that I have. Then the orthopedist, they don't take into account what could be going on um, in the reproductive organs right. or in the lower abdomen, the general surgeon, well, they're only looking, maybe they're looking, maybe at best, they're looking at the hernia, but they're not looking at the endometriosis. And mm-hmm. then of course I love, I, I think physiatrists really pace this field mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. have a more, uh, they'll look at nerves, they'll look at soft mm-hmm. tissue. They have a concept of the organs they have. So, you know, th- they're good gynecologists. Yes, but yes. I think when you talk about like pain, I have leg pain, I have low back sacrum pain, I have pubic bone pain. Mm-hmm. I love this one. We could spend an hour on this. I love uh, my ovary hurts. No, you have to be aware that while that may be one thing, that there's nerves that run in that area. Mm-hmm. There's a ligament that runs in the area. The SI joint can refer to that area. Yes. You could have. Uh, uh, failure of the obliques to fire. There's a whole bunch of things. And then of course there's all the leg pain is the, is the pain in the back of the leg is the pain in the groin is the pain in the, my, you know, my other favorite is where's the pain in the genitals themselves. If you have a labia, if your pain is there, you automatically go to the gynecologist, but sometimes the gynecologist doesn't look at, well, what's innervating this? Mm -hmm, What is the skin like? What is, you know, in people in our population, lots of people with hysterectomies, um, what is the hormone level like? That's the new piece that's emerging right now because you can get a lot of dryness and pain from absence of estrogen. And unfortunately we're a population that like loses estrogen very early usually. Mm -hmm. You know, we think it's a great thing because, you know, it helps many, not all with the disease, but it actually has health implications with our joints and ligaments. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because as someone who has had a complete hysterectomy, there are times that I feel like, man, I'm having, having the same pain I had when I had my ovaries. And I know I don't have my ovaries. So, it has to be something else. There's other contributing factors to the pain, not my ovaries. And then on top of that, I've also had the the shooting pain that goes down into like the pubic bone and, and things like that. And I think that it's really easy for me to jump to, did all the endo come out? Did they get it all? Did they excise it all? Did they, you know, and it, it's really easy for us because we associate that pain with endometriosis and what it did to us when, you know, before surgery or whatnot, that now that's what we automatically jump to when we should be looking at, okay, we've taken step one by getting excision surgery. Step two, what are some things that can contribute to this? So talking to, I feel like physical therapists, not just pelvic floor, but specifically pelvic floor physical therapists are the bread and butter of endometriosis. Well, a good one. A good, a good right. one. I would agree. Yes, yes. a good one. One that it's unfortunately my poor patient yesterday had only seen one that does a lot of incontinence and post OB work. But I think what you said is very important that you have this pain and you think that it's your ovary. And so you immediately jump to must be ovarian remnant syndrome, must be adhesion. And while mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it can't be those things, 
I am going to say that coming off of your spine and wrapping around your body are a series of nerves that run through the pelvis. And when somebody says sharp and stabbing, while endometriosis can do that, it does make me think of a nerve. Right. So, mm-hmm. of, of course, coming off of um, the spinal segment L3 is a nerve called the ilioinguinal nerve. Mm-hmm. And the ilioinguinal nerve sort of runs, I would say, in the lower quadrant, right? So if you took your hand and you put it in the groin crease, that space between where your torso ends and where your leg begins on a diagonal, Mm -hmm. that would be where the ilioinguinal nerve runs. And that nerve is oftentimes, we see that also that particular pain, which would be in the groin crease down into the labia or scrotum, and then in the internal thigh, Right. Right. And a lot of people don't understand that inside of the thigh is groin pain. Mm -hmm. The back of the thigh is a totally different nerve. So that ilioinguinal nerve, um, we see that injured in when people have repetitive surgeries because of the way they do the sutures. A lot less with minimally invasive surgery, but we can see it there. And then it's accompanied by another nerve called the genital femoral nerve, which of course has two branches, the genital branch and the femoral branch. The femoral branch sort of goes a little bit from the pubic bone down into the femur, femoral, right? And that's that quadricep pain, that like deep aching, I want to gnaw my head off from this like throbbing that I have. And the genital branch really affects the pubic bone And I like to tell people that in case they don't know, because we shouldn't hold back on your podcast. No, no. The skin adjacent to the clitoris is really innervated by one of these two nerves. And people just assume that that's pudendal nerve Mm -hmm. pain because they go to the doctor, the pudendal nerves, like a big nerve in the pelvis. And the doctor just assumes that's it. And what I tell people, like I had someone, she's like treating that pudendal nerve and she's yelling at me all the time that it's not a different nerve, but the branch of the pudendal nerve, it's only smack dab on the clitoris. The skin around it is something entirely different. Interesting. And so those people, you hate underwear, those people fall into this type of nerve more than the endometriosis, right? Right. Um, You fall into this type of nerve pain, stabbing. It hurts more when you sit down, you get relief when you lay flat. You know, these are things that bother these groupings of nerves. Sally, where have you been my whole life? I know. But I didn't have me. I mean, you know, the whole, I don't know if you guys know the story of the summit. So I'll take it back. So I have horrible left lower quadrant and umbilical pain. I'm convinced Mm. I have umbilical endometriosis. In those days, that was a rather new field. I go in for this surgery. I'm going to tell you, there were so many specialists in that surgery. I was writing checks, the surgery itself. I was somewhere in the $27,000 range. And they go in, they do this surgery and they don't see what could be generating my pain. So they take out my ovary, which I did not consent to. And then they don't tell me for a few days that they took out my ovary. And then they say, must be causing your pain. So we just took it out. I go into ovarian failure, I think really from the trauma and was then even with all the IVF in the world, 
never able to harvest from the other and ended up infertile. I go back like an idiot to the same doctor because I'm like afraid to leave because the guy is so famous. Who am I to question him? Mm, right. And uh, which I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, we know? talk about that often. Yeah. And I take, I'm an athletic trainer also. And I take all my leftover ankle tape, you know, that yep. you must have seen that. Yep. And I tape it down my legs. One day I'm going to find the picture and I sent in a bathing suit and I send it to the doctor and I'm like, this is where the pain is. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Now, if I took that picture and put it against the pelvic nerve picture that's on a part of pelvic guru's GFAM, they look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. How are you a gynecologist and you can't see that, right? So I have the surgery. They strip the fascia of the psoas tendon and say, that's it. You're fine. I, I was not fine. I managed to win a, a tennis championship, so a national championship. So every time I went to the doctor, he kept saying, you're fine because you can play tennis yeah. until I lost sensation in my labia. I had terrible groin pain. At that time, I was um, helping somebody who needed to be lifted in and out of bed and on and off the toilet. So obviously that mm -hmm. exacerbated anything. I go to the doctor. And he takes on a fellow at that time. And they say, well, we're going to do your hysterectomy. Now. And I said, we're not doing a, a hysterectomy. Why would we do a hysterectomy for um, labia pain and for groin pain? Why do you do a hysterectomy for groin pain? And a lot of this at that time, I had already found the surgeon that I, I wanted to use, but I needed him to scrub in with the gynecologist and, and they right. didn't want to work together. Mm. So she says, you're making up that labia pain for attention. You want to get a rise out of me because I'm a young fellow. And I, I, I reached for the doorknob and I walked out of the office and I never looked back. And when I was done lying on a park bench, crying and debating mm -hmm. whether or not to throw myself into traffic, a Dr. Vidali picked up the phone and he called the general surgeon that I wanted to use, which was Dr. Zulman. And they created this whole program for me together. And that's how we, that led to the starting of the endometriosis summit. But until that point, until I had had the nerve surgery and the endometriosis surgery combined, I thought it was like completely normal to not being able to sleep at night because mm -hmm. the, your quadricep was squeezing your legs so badly. I thought that everybody, I thought the itchiness I had in my genitals was because I had chronic yeast infections when in fact it was all from the nerve. It's, you know, pins and needles right. from a nerve pain is itching. And what's very interesting is I, I, I mean, the, the relief of pain in my leg, I just thought like that was it was I was sitting on the couch one day and I said to my father, you know, like, I can't believe my leg feels so much better. And he goes, Oh, maybe that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> and two months later, he had hernia surgery, same, same connective yeah. tissue, right? Mm -hmm. Genetically. Yep. And, and same nerve. Uh, I don't know about the other stuff I didn't ask him about. <laughs> that. You know, we don't ask those questions. <laughs> but I think that, that I was, somebody kept cutting me and kept mm -hmm. cutting me. And, and of course I'm a PT and I did see a physiatrist and she was like, well, you're a PT. I'm not going to refer you to PT because you've done all the PT. 
And we really didn't know what was wrong until I hunted this down. I like found the guy yeah. like on the street. Right. It was a little like that running after yeah. an MRI. Help yeah. <laughs> And then of course, you know, all this care costs a fortune. And mm-hmm. I hit, you know, I'm like, look at what your partner charged me. Just read it for free. Then, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. It is hard. Because the type of hernia I deal with, which is a huge part of groin ecology, is a wad of fat, not like I'm a fat person fat, but preperitoneal fat right? Um, pressing against the nerve. Now, mm. I believe that we live with frozen pelvis. So therefore, these sort of tear off and go into the canal and press against the nerve. But that's not proven. I have talked to a doctor in California, and she thinks when somebody has pretty severe hernias, but like stage one or stage two endometriosis, that the endometriosis is a little bit of a a surprise finding because the gynecologist will go in before the hernia surgeon could realize it. MRI, if it's read properly, can pick up these nerve compressions, but it can't, the average radiologist, the average general surgeon cannot. So of course you're called crazy and everything beyond. And, and I remember pulling up the first one and Dr. Red Alley going, there's nothing there. You stop with, you definitely don't have a hernia. And I, and I would like look at him and be, and point and go like, it's right there. Like, I don't know. That's not what that is. I don't know what that is. No, mm-hmm. that's what that is. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's come a long way. So, and that's just one cause. The other right. thing is, you know, I had a labral tear and as we know that the the hip socket is an incomplete circle, right? Right, And so that there's, it's a full circle. And then there's like a little divot in the hip socket. And so the labrum helps the joint articulate with that divot. But I would say, and it's gotten less popular about five years ago, the labrum tear was like the, the diagnosis of choice, right? Yeah. right? Oh, you have pain, you have labrum tear. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have pain. But like, we're really showing those labrums only cause pain in a certain amount of, of people. And that it's not necessarily the always the labrum tear, but the way the hip sits in the joint. Does right. it sit a little too far posterior? Does it sit a little too far anterior? And it's pinching, you know, a little mm. femoral acetabular syndrome, we call that FAI, infemular acetabular impingement syndrome. Right. And... I think that a lot of people, I met someone recently who didn't understand she had endometriosis until she had been through two unsuccessful hip surgeries. So we see it both ways, mm-hmm. but if you know the endometriosis is dealt with, then it's time to start thinking of the other thing. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were a runner your whole life, and then one day you wake up and you can't run, probably not the endometriosis, right. probably an injury, right? Mm-hmm. But if you've always sort of had gnawing hip pain, then it becomes a game of difficulty, really. Right. At least at the endo, is it this? Is yep. that? that was me. I dealt with SI, hip. I've had MRIs for labrum. I got diagnosed with bilateral sacroiliitis and no known cause. My whole route has be- been yeah. more orthopedic than yeah. gynecological because my periods weren't that bad. My only SIPT that I treat, that I trust, is in Denver. His name is Jerry Hesch. But I will be going I, <laughs> So, like, I was treated by Jerry Hesch, and 
And he is like the best in the world. And he does non-invasive, non-cracking mm. technique. And like, I really don't think that the SI joint, gen- it could generate pain, right? But I don't, I think that pain and dysfunction in the SI joint is coming from something else mm-hmm. almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Is it coming from your foot? Is it coming from your knee? Is it coming from your organs? Right. Is it coming from an obliquity in your pelvis? Is one rec- is one abdominal muscle too tight? But those organs really, really refer in that. And mm-hmm. I think some of the problem with MRIs is people go have an MRI. Oh, you have pain. They send you for an MRI. And they find something on the MRI, but just because you find a bulging disc or just because you find a little bit of inflammation in the area really doesn't mean that that's generating your pain. And then Mm -hmm. the doctor says, well, of course you have back pain. You have this disc that's bulging, which like there's so many studies that bulging discs do not cause pain in everyone. Or you have a herniated disc. I have a herniated disc. I didn't even feel it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, and then two <laughs> things happen. One, the doctor has now told you something's wrong with you. So your brain now computes right. that something is wrong with me. It's I have a disc. I have mm-hmm. a, di- and this becomes your framework for dealing with yourself and your pain for so many years. Mm-hmm. And two, no one's gotten to the source of your problem. So you've really just been there. You've been unintentionally gaslit. I think mm-hmm. gaslighting usually has an intention behind it. This is, oh, I didn't know what to do. She's a herniated dick. Oh, he must have pain. Bye-bye. And you never find the source of of your pain. And I think that happens quite often. Mm -hmm. And that's why people hate orthopedists, Mm -hmm. right? When I say to the endometriosis population, I think it's time to go to a hip specialist. I think it's time to they don't want to because the only one that ever heard them Mm -hmm. was the endometriosis specialist. And they're not willing to peek outside that door because we don't like to go back to how we were treated before. Well, I think there's fear associated with that. I think the endometriosis specialist needs to admit more often that they can't Mm -hmm. help the, not I can't help you, but I need to send you to somebody that can help you. Mm -hmm, So a good clinic will work hard to find those people that can help you. Well, that's interesting you say that because I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. When we at the summit, when Scott Furr was talking about this, he mm-hmm. said he had a patient who continued to have this pain, this, this, um, I don't remember what pain it was exactly. Off the it top was of lymph my, node pain. Was it lymph node pain? <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. his lymph node talk. Yeah. That was yeah. the lymph node talk where he talked about that and he was like intergrowing and he kept digging and digging and digging and trying to figure out, okay, I think maybe we need to do couple this with PT but then that's when he continued to look at the whole picture, not just surgical picture, which I thought was like, oh, okay. I forget. I remember being there, but I forget whether he had her, it was an inguinal lymph node. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it came back as, it's an interesting case because he presented it somewhere else and then he asked to come to the summit to do it. Mm-hmm. So because I don't think we ever hear about cases like that. And he that the node came back 100% mm-hmm. endometriosis. And the woman continued to have pain from what I remember. Yes. And mm-hmm. I don't ever remember, and he may have, if somebody has ruled out what we call occult hernia or no bulge hernia. Mm-hmm. So that would mean sending it off to a specialist who reads a no bulge hernia MRI because a typical 
pathologist can a typical radiologist cannot read for that. But that's an interesting case because mm-hmm. it also goes to is endometriosis being spread because we talk mm-hmm. usually that it's left behind and it's it emerges embryologically. But is the lymphatic system a player here? Mm-hmm. That's why right. that case is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that case, when he presented that. That was so fascinating. It, it was. Um, well, right what was time. also fun about that case is, you know, he trained Dr. Duke. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they did it together. Mm-hmm. So it was yep. a little like old, old home week. Yeah. 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 I know. When you talk to him, he, he speaks highly of Dr. Bird. But even, even so, I think lymph node like that particular case is not as common Mm -hmm. as noble chernia yeah interesting Uh, and i think that field if you live in the general surgery world which i did for a few years try to make some inroads there but is not emerging Mm -hmm. and so if the the, it's interesting because a good labrum surgeon is now starting to think about um, the hernia more mm-hmm. than the, I think, cause the general surgeons learn that like week one. Right. Right. And they, I don't think they revisit it as a source of pain very often, hmm. unless you're a gynecologist. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We need right. to make more of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're trying to make more of them, but <laughs> I think that, I think you have to think about when, when it comes to the pubic bone, right. Um, attaching onto the pubic bone is a number of muscles from the pelvic floor. Right. Mm-hmm. And also from the leg itself, because the adductors attach there and from the trunk, yep, right. right? Because the rectus abdominals attach there as well. And so you have pressures going in three different directions, right? So mm-hmm. you have a lateral, lateral medial pressure from the adductors, right? You have the pelvic floor, which is a anterior posterior pressure. And then you have the rectus pressure on there. And in some ways, the back muscle, which doesn't attach directly, but works to oppose the rectus muscle. And so there's a lot going on in that mm-hmm. pubic bone. And there's a lot muscularly going on on that pubic bone. And then inside you have all the organs <laughs> that there could be a lot going on. In. Right. So when, when somebody has a decent excision and they come back and they say, I want a second surgery, I don't minimize them, but I do encourage everybody has a read by somebody who can make sure Mm -hmm. there's no hernia if that's the pain they're complaining of. But I do kind of in my head when I see the surgeon go in and snip like a tiny little adhesion and go, okay, now she'll be all better. I kind of say, but did you do your due diligence? Was it coming Mm -hmm. from her hip? Was it coming Mm -hmm. from, I've heard this from patients before who then are like annoyed because then they got to go do a third surgery for Mm -hmm. the hernia, or Mm -hmm. then they have to do six months with a hip specialist PT. Mm -hmm. No, I think the the hip is also, it's not just internal, external rotation, flexion, extension. Mm -hmm. We all having endometriosis present will have the weakest glutes on planet on the planet. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you can't use any glute testing to differentiate anything out for the hip. And Mm -hmm. I think the hip has all sorts of its own ligaments and its own sensation, nervous, central nervous system sensation to the brain and its own alignment issues. And then the hip's like a nasty guy because he also likes the knee and the foot. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. 
he didn't like COVID a lot because <laughs> we all sat down so much. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the hips are a very interesting thing. And the SI joint, because I think a lot of SI joint pain comes from what we call pelvic obliquity, right? Which mm-hmm. is sort of like a, a malalignment of the pelvic bones. Mm-hmm. That's going to affect the hip too. And then it's, you know, the uteral sacral endometriosis is going to change the way you sense your SI joint. And so I hate to see people who spend years going to PTs and chiropractors to have that SI joint adjusted, but then it was really coming from the uteral sacral ligament. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Not that, and I love chiropractors and PTs, but I just think that we need to use them when we, you know, mm-hmm. in the right way. But you don't know any better because, right. you know, here know. for so many years, I, I see Cairo and mm-hmm. I saw a PT for a while and you don't know what you don't know. And so I right. did have yeah. a, you know, my right hip pulls forward and my left mm-hmm. rotates back. And so every time that that happened, they would realign me or get my muscles firing again. But it wasn't until I saw my pelvic floor PT that she even she was the first one who sensed you may have endo and I've saw everybody under the moon. So it is a hard thing to know because unfortunately, most people just think of endo as terrible periods. And unless you're throwing up and in bed for three days on your cycle, Mm -hmm. you must not have endo. But as we know, that's not the case. Right. We put up an Instagram 30 seconds before we started that it's not only about cramps right. and, and reproduction, mm-hmm. but I think the next piece, you know, first of all, the next piece in endometriosis is probably going to be the microbiome, which I don't, I'm having a lecture on that, but I don't really speak on that. But I think the next piece after that is going to be what goes on with our connective tissue. Yes. Because if if somebody has like a consistent malalignment of the SI Sideroid, joint, yeah. are they being pulled from the uteral sacral ligament mm-hmm. or is there a systemic joint laxity so that the yes. uteral sacral ligament is able to pull it? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and, and the connective tissue people don't have any answers either. Well, it's so mm-hmm. interesting because I don't, I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but I was saying, cause both of us, are hypermobile. So a lot of endo patients we know are hypermobile or they have Healers-Danlos syndrome. They have like, there's a lot of different connective tissue disorders. And I don't know if they're tied together or if it's the chicken before the egg, the egg you know what I mean? Like it's, I, I don't know. There, I, I don't know the answer to that, but we all have that. And so for me to get proper, proper alignment, or I'm having a hard time with a certain, my hip, for instance, you can knock it back in, someone can work on it, it'll feel great. And then it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, is it just joint stability at that point? Or is there another issue? So I think that's where it's so hard for people with endo specifically, or if you have other syndromes of any sort, Mm -hmm. what to tell is it A or B or is it B or A? <laughs> you know, like it's I, A and B. It's A and B. Right. It's A and B always. Yeah. But I, I took some coursework in EDS. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting is, first of all, we used to say connective tissue do- disorder and then EDS. Mm-hmm. Now it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no 
that it's a spec connective tissue spec disorder spectrum. There's no types of this and that, you know, and, and so I think that's very interesting because I feel like the world is coming to terms with that. There are issues with connective tissue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the other piece of it is that connective tissue disorders also come with cramps. Mm-hmm. And can also come with heavy periods and for sure come with pelvic floor dysfunction yes. because your muscles are working overtime to mm-hmm. create the stability that you want. So if you have spasmed um, pelvic floor muscles, you're also looking at painful sex. You're also looking at back pain. You're looking at you put, sometimes you right. urgency and frequency. Where do these symptoms fit in? Yep. And then there are actually changes in the brain of someone with connective tissue dysfunction, that trauma is, first of all, inputted differently, right? Mm -hmm. And that input and output of trauma, and that the way you sense pain and your pain sensors in your muscles Mm -hmm. and in your central nervous system are different. Mm -hmm. So like, you can have all that with endometriosis too. Right. right. <laughs> so it's really becomes a very difficult game. And if somebody has really bad connective tissue disease beyond the first excision, you shouldn't be going in to check things out because right. there are all sorts of surgical considerations. Mm-hmm. And I think it always is going to come down to we need better training that we're not zebras or we are zebras, Mm -hmm. you know, but zebras really aren't that rare. Right. And we're not training people to do anything than roll their eyes at us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when somebody says, is it, I had that case yesterday, is it a or B it's let's, let's rule out what's easiest to rule out. Right. The hernia is pretty easy to rule out except for the fact I only have three or four people in the U.S. that can read those MRIs, but most of them will do it somehow remotely, send off a disc and get that ruled out. That's the easy one Mm -hmm. to rule out. Is it as easy to fix? Not really, but to rule it out. And then in terms of the pelvic floor dysfunction and the nerve, you know, I love a nerve injection, very Mm -hmm. big in groin ecology. You can sometimes give those treatments three to six months and then like, if you're not making enough headway, well, then it's time to think more systemic disease. Mm-hmm. Do I do that when somebody first comes to me? No, not really, because mm-hmm. if they right. have endo, I want to get that excised first. But mm-hmm. if they're right. an ongoing pain person, you know, and I set the three to six month limit, but what really happens is I ask the patient, what's their limit? Mm-hmm. Now, if they say to me two weeks, then we have to have a whole pain science discussion, right? Mm-hmm. but if their limit, I say it has to be typically a, at least three months. And if mm-hmm. their limit is three months and that's it, then that's, that's when they make that decision for themselves. Because in the, in the end, it's body autonomy, mm-hmm. right? So yep. if you're dead set that it's endometriosis, even though I see a huge hernia on the MRI, then it's endometri- Then you're going to go that endometriosis yeah. route because mm-hmm. it's your body. It's right. not my body. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Can you explain a hernia though? Because I don't know if many people know what a hernia actually is. Can you explain that? Right. So a typical hernia is a um, hole from in the body with something trapped in the middle of it, right? So right. we think, you know, an umbilical hernia is the belly button 
has created a bulge and it's herniated. An incisional hernia, very common in endometriosis, the incision is open and caught a little bit of fat or a little bit of intestine in there. That's the traditional definition. Now, it's de- lots of doctors will go, oh, if it has fat in it, it's not really a hernia. By the way, yes, it is mm-hmm. because if that's causing you pain, then it, then it is. Mm-hmm. I hate when I see that there's a PT and she's like, oh, mine just has fat in it. It's not really a hernia. It's a hernia. Mm-hmm. Right. Just so that you're, right. just because your doctor didn't want to code it as such right. doesn't mean that it isn't. Now, the hernia that we talk about when we talk about people with endometriosis and pelvic pain is slightly different. Because usually we talk about that hole going through the whole peritoneum and retroperitoneum and mm-hmm. catching a little bit of bowel or strangulating a piece of bowel, which mm-hmm. means, you know, cutting off the blood supply. And the hernia that we see in the pelvic pain population is a piece of typically preperitoneal fat. So not mm-hmm. into the deeper layers like the retroperitoneum mm-hmm. up against a nerve right? So it's not a hole the way people think it's, right. it's the way people think about it, even mm-hmm. though it is technically a hole. And those symptoms are much like the nerve symptoms. You think it's your ovary. It's not your ovary. It can hurt more at ovulation or during your period simply because there's inflammation in the area. And there's not a lot of room between the nerve and that piece of fat. And you could have from a Femoral hernia, you're going to have pain down the front of the thigh. From an inguinal hernia, you're typically going to have pain in that groin crease, right? Mm -hmm. The diagonals that we talked about between your leg and your torso, wrapping around from the low back into what you think is your ovary area, typically is not your ovary area. And then down past the pubic bone, across, sometimes across the genitals into the labia, if you have a labia and into the inner thigh. Right. Right. And I see a lot of them. Now, if you have one, does it have to be fixed? Not necessarily. Is Mm -hmm. it generating your pain? Not always, but it could be a piece of that. Right. Um, They can try injecting some, um, not necessarily always a steroid into the nerves, right? Those are very superficial and easy to reach by a skilled physiatrist or anesthesiologist pain management, but it's not a fail safe. So if you put that injection in and the pain doesn't stop, it's not an an immediate, oh, I don't have this pain. Mm -hmm. I don't have this, but it could provide some relief because a lot of people aren't looking to have more surgery. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. As can some myofascial release and also making sure Obturator internist is released by a decent pelvic PT, making Mm -hmm. sure the glutes have some strength and making sure the hip joint itself has some stability. Mm -hmm. That obturator is a beast of a muscle. I hate (laughs) it. A beast of a muscle. Well, people who really, I haven't brought it up, but there is an obturator hernia. Now, an obturator hernia in our population is not what you put into Google and you see little old ladies die from it. Right. That's not what I'm talking about because that's actually when a loop of bowel gets caught in it. Right. An obturator hernia in our population typically is a thickened fat pad around the nerve. And if somebody's pelvic floor is never releasing and they come in and every single week it's like that, I do have them have a read for that. I usually use one of two people na- nationwide for mm-hmm. my reads because I know not everybody's going to get the same 
read. And then if you have that, you have to go to someone who sees them day in and day out. But I see a lot of change made in a pelvic floor very quickly in people who have the obturator back pad compression and have it treated. Interesting. Why are yeah. we just hearing about this? Is I that, could talk to you forever. I, know. I, I feel like going? Going? I like and I like talking. So oh. you know, it works out good <laughs> for me. I don't well, we are gonna do a lot of work on this in the summit, but I think that when you put somebody told me I had an obturator hernia and I put it into Google and I really went home and thought I was going to die because if you put it into Google, (laughs) you are going to die. You're like, there's like, there's like a, like an 83% morbidity rate. Right. But when you understand that that's not what it is Mm -hmm. and that it's slightly different, it's a big deal. And I think those are the people, the people with that lean more towards that connective tissue dysfunction. What's funny is we have a PT that comes to the summit all the time. And I forgot like the first year, I think she was doing like running and endometriosis or something. And she was in our webinar series with the hernia doctor. That was like, you know, we, when we first started the webinar series, we just, anybody could sign up for whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little more streamlined and they're talking and you can see her on, on air go, wait, I think I have this. <laughs> And sure enough, she did. And she had, she had it fixed. Now she had it fixed on the West coast. She was able to show them where it was, had, had no problem. She, wait, I have this. You can totally see her do that. Light bulb click. Well, it's interesting that it's not just patients who have no medical background or any knowledge of this that struggle with not only the care, but getting proper diagnosis for different things. Like Mm -hmm. this is a broad spectrum of, Lack of lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I when Dr. Vidali went into my surgery when I had it done, he had never seen the technique before. And we did mm. do, and first of all, we filmed it live because that's what the two of us would do. <laughs> and you can hear him go, what is the light? What it, who knew that was there? You know, like that. And so you're talking about one of the most highly skilled GYN surgeons yeah. in the world yep. who had not seen the technique before. And I think one of the issues is that when you have, first of all, that dependence on the one surgeon who heard you, mm-hmm. right? But also that the endometriosis surgery by and large takes place in the retroperitoneum right. and the, the hernia that I'm discussing, which is the fat pad compression mm-hmm. is a little shallower yep, than that. Right? Yeah. And so that a GYN, even the best, the mm-hmm. best in the world they're going to go right past it and not see it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go, oh, so I took your ovary or, mm. oh, it's that tiny little ridiculous adhesion that wasn't causing you any pain. Oh, it's that. That was it. Because <laughs> they go past it. Mm-hmm. And I also so think like we leave out that it's almost like the hip. Mm-hmm. So I got the, I had my kitchen done and the drawers have like these sensors so that you can't slam them shut, which mm-hmm. is tough yeah. when you're angry. And um, <laughs> so, but a little bit too soft and they won't close at all. A little bit mm-hmm. too hard and they'll, they pull themselves closed and you don't mean to. And that it's like this sort of spring loaded system. And I think that when we look at the hip, the alignment of the hip is very much the same. A, a couple centimeters anterior or posterior in the joint is going to be even millimeters mm-hmm. is going to create huge symptoms in the leg. 
Mm. And it takes somebody who really knows what they're doing. And so the concept that hip therapy is just flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, abduction, and is very different because now we have to work uh, almost on joint proprioception, which is the the sense of where your hip is in your body. But then the problem is it's not always the sense, right. it's the actual location, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We this didn't is... even get to the back of the leg yet. I know. <laughs> I feel like this is, yeah. we could spend hours on this. I because get to the back I, of the leg. I, I, I shall be back of the leg, please. I'm not as good at the back of the leg, <laughs> but I love the groin. I, I will touch on that very briefly. So, you know, the back of the leg primarily is the sciatic nerve mm-hmm. when you talk about nerves. But also, I like to talk about hamstrings because if our glutes are so weak, the glute is the main tush muscle. Mm-hmm. If your glute is so weak from having pelvic floor issues and endometriosis for undiagnosed for 20 years, then your hamstring has learned to compensate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even after your excision, sometimes that hamstring has learned to compensate so well, it's not stopping. And you're doing a little tush gripping, which is going to cause you pain down the back of the leg, right? And it takes a, a big commitment. Like I actually had that going on this fall and I, I would have to stop a couple times a day and like, go, don't grip in your tush like, oh, that didn't, you know, <laughs> that, but that muscular component is the pattern those with endo love. Mm-hmm. And then you throw things in there like rectovaginal endometriosis, which is going to amp up the nerve and um, uterine sacral endometriosis, adenomyosis, mm-hmm. hypogastric plexus endometriosis. And all of those things can cause pain down the back of the leg before we even mention sciatic endometriosis. And so when somebody has long lasting leg pain, I don't jump to this is sciatic endometriosis. I don't rule it out, right? It's in my right. head that that could exist. But is it the way the pelvic floor is wrapped around the area where the t- ligaments meet so that the sciatic nerve is compressed? Is it uterosacral endometriosis that's just close enough? You only have to be about three centimeters mm-hmm. away from a nerve to upregulate it with endometriosis, proven in the literature that you don't have to be very far from that nerve to create, you don't have to be on the nerve to create nerve pain. Is it a muscular decompensation pattern? Is it rectovaginal endometriosis? Mm. Because that's going to compress everything. And it's just really difficult. And then the last pieces are these things called fascial lines. And is it this back line that is so tight in the leg because there's something else going on, even diaphragmatic endo, and you can't sort of escape that pain. Hmm. Interesting. I, know. I see deer in headlines. Yeah. No, no this, this is like, no, yeah. this is like, yeah. we've talked so much about this. So both Shelby and I work out with the same trainer. And it's interesting to kind of see her areas of flaring versus mine. So hers is definitely more back of the leg, SI, SI hamstring, hamstring. obturator, glutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mine is the opposite. Mine is the front. When you're talking about that feeling of ovarian pain or hip pain or whatever, I don't, and I have at times, I think just naturally said, ooh, did, is that endo? But really, I've been able to 
kind of work out some of that and it's not constant pain. It's not, but it is constant enough to, to know, okay, there's some relief here. There's some relief there, but it's not long-term pain if I'm able to get the correct treatment. So for instance, I was able to get some dry needling done in that specific area and that released almost instantly for me. In the groin crease itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see those, that tends, when the dry needling works on the groin crease, I definitely think ileoinguinal nerve pain. Exactly. That's what um, I That's the person I like to rule out the hernia in. But I also say if the dry needling is working, then you can just stay with it. You know right. I mean? Right. If um, you don't want more surgeries. Yeah. yeah. It, that's the big thing, right? Right. And then... For Shelby, it's it's different. So it's I. This is why we're so fascinated by this because this has not really been brought up to us Mm-mm. all that much. This we are very green when it comes to this conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, we need to talk more about these other contributing factors to pain, mm-hmm. not just endo. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they can all correlate, right? But it's not right. the only thing. So I think when somebody has that traditional like back of the leg you know, obturator, probably a little bit into the arch of the foot. I do in the past, and it's new to my practice, I do start to think about where the hip is sitting in the hip joint itself. Mm. Because if that hip is sitting a little too far back, it's going to clamp down on all that stuff and nothing can relax. Mm-hmm. Where And a, a good PT should be able to do a little bit of a joint mobilization. It's like forward and and just a little bit. It depends on how the person is sitting. And then you know, you're, we're trained, unfortunately, with endometriosis to grip in our glutes and breaking that has to come from here, Mm -hmm, not just muscularly. Mm -hmm. This is so fascinating because we were just talking about how before my surgery, I couldn't get glute engagement to save my life. I had so many people telling me, you got to engage your glutes. I'm trying. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. No one's teaching me well, how to do why, this. Right. Remember I said it, it depends on a good pe- pelvic PT, right. right? So the one that says engage your glutes, not good. Not right. good. It was a yeah, chiropractor. They have to no, sort but, of like teach you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't. But now that I've had surgery, I've worked through some of the other issues going on. My glutes are popping now. Like I feel them. I can engage them. And that is probably the first time that I can ever remember in my life being able to do that. Mm-hmm. First time. And I'm like, this is amazing. But like you were saying, you, you were having a harder time with that, the glute engagement, or were you not? No. No. Glutes are doing fine. It's just hamstring engagement. That's what it is. My hamstrings are just super weak. But then when they... Well, your hamstring spent a lot of time overworking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, everything's probably in the right way it's supposed to be. And, and it's, it's just, it's tired, man. Mm-hmm. Your hamstring side. So are we, Sally. So are we. I'm tired. We're tired. So are we. <laughs> so are, I was like, I'm tired of fight, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love learning this though. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever get tired of learning this. No, I could talk to you all day about this. I know. Can we have more of you talking we, about we this? Could. Oh, yeah, we could, we'll talk yeah. just specifically about this or no, we could talk about something, other things. Other we things. talk about other things. And we, I think oh. you should talk more at the summit too. I know you're crazy busy running around, but. That was actually more than one people complain. Yeah. They said that they can't, yeah. which I'm like, who comes for me? But we they, do. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they complain. 
I always did big introductions and I didn't do them this past year. So we're, we'll put those back in Yeah, mm-hmm. and we'll, I think it's hard to, for me to teach though, mm-hmm. because leading up to it, it's really such a nightmare. Yeah. Right. But if you want to hear more on this particular topic, uh, March 8th, which probably sounds so far off, we're going to do a full lab on gynecology. Mm, so we'll put some in the didactics of the program where everybody can see it. And then there'll be a lab on gynecology and there'll be a hip specialist who's much better than me. We believe Dr. Zoland will show how to read the MRI and awesome. we'll have a couple of physiatrists as well. That's, That's so amazing. Cool. Maybe, maybe somebody on pudendal neuralgia. Mm. Oh, it, we haven't really discussed the role of the pudendal nerve in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I feel like there's, it's so complex. Our bodies, like we've talked, we've talked about this so many times, mm-hmm. how complex our bodies are. But I think as people with endometriosis and when we get diagnosed, that's our automatic jump to when it's not the only thing in our bodies, it's not the only contributing factor. So Mm-mm. when I'm learning things like this, it allows me to think back and think, well, that pain isn't necessarily consistent with endo or what I've experienced before. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to look at it from this perspective. It gives me a better, I don't know. Different lens. Yeah, yeah. different lens, but it gives us a different roadmap. Yeah. yeah. Because we get so right. like narrow-minded. I need to see this surgeon. I need to see just this PT. I just feel like this gives us the ability to open it up. Mm-hmm. We're able to right. look at so- it more. So Dr. Chung, who comes and speaks at the summit, who I don't think you guys realize who he is because he's like my buddy, (laughs) Um, but he comes and speaks at the summit and he's the one who found the connection between IC and endometriosis. But his latest research actually has a a protocol. And so first is excision, Mm -hmm. right? And then they do a bladder installation to downregulate the bladder. Mm not because you necessarily have IC, but because the bladder is the main sensory driver of the pelvis. So they sort of put some lidocaine, maybe lidocaine and heparin, because that's usually into the bladder and they quiet that nerve. Mm. And then the next piece in the protocol is nerve injections in the leg. Mm. And so he found this, no, actually he stopped doing the pudendal nerve. I think the pudendal nerve might come forth if you need Mm. it, but he started doing, he does ilioinguinal Mm. and I believe he does lateral femoral cutaneous, which Mm -hmm. is, we didn't talk about that, Mm -hmm. but that's a nerve that does sort of the IT band region. Um, I actually have uh, lateral femoral cutaneous entrapment syndrome from a surgery, but Mm -hmm. so, and then, he does those three things. And then he says, like his research says something like um, 85% of people have no more pain at all, but it's a combination, right? Right. Excision. I see you're right. I think he might do the pudendal block and then the leg pain block. Yeah. But he didn't, he couldn't exclude the leg pain, the leg pain. Right. No. It's so fascinating. I feel, and here's the other thing that at one point I would love to talk to you more about is post like having multiple surgeries post surgical entrapments nerve entrapments yeah. and mm-hmm. things like that i feel like that's a huge consideration that we need to take in i think that surgeries. true entrapments 
are on the rarer side. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, this latest thought process that endometriosis or adhesions only need to be a certain distance from that nerve to cause a problem. I think that's going to play out in the future very like a, a big deal. I also think, and we totally left that part out, that the venous return, so running alongside these nerves typically are an artery and a vein, mm-hmm. and the venous return, right, mm-hmm. especially if you have some connective tissue issues right. because that means your veins are stretchy too. It's mm-hmm. not just joints. That's interesting. That the venous return next to these nerves can often cause a problem because they're not carrying away the blood and the byproducts maybe as quickly as they should be or and the nerve can become hypersensitized from that as mm-hmm. well. Which if I had someone who was good at pelvic congestion, I would bring them to the summit, but it's hard to find that person. Also, People want to end on Sunday at like two o'clock and that that's three less hours of programming. <laughs> Maybe we should do more stretches and exercises in those last three hours. That would be I, productive. I definitely think so. Well, I'd like to do, I'm thinking of a workshop for those last, but, but I still like, I still, you know, I'm missing, I know. missing three hours of mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll have, you know, we were supposed to go on a trip to Hawaii and my husband told me, Let's see if we can switch up the dates so you can go. Oh, let's see if we can switch up the dates. No, I'm for Hawaii. Arrange... For Hawaii. Oh, no, for you. I'm not switching. But I, no. I would love, we're trying to arrange a big surprise for everybody with you guys. You know, we've talked about it offline. We don't want to announce it just yeah. in case I can't get the tech for it. But you have to come. You have to. Mm-hmm. And, and we ha- are going to have a pool party this year. Ooh. What? Because I noticed while Sally's a Disney-holic, Nobody really wanted to get on that bus and go to Disney. Even though it was incredible, right? You'll yeah. never yeah. see that like no. that. You'll never get that close to the fireworks again. No. So we could just like all have a pool party yeah. and then we would be right there. So fun. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And I, and so I found a whole bunch of pool floaties. On I sale have about, I, to get to I have perfect. huge flamingos I could bring that have never oh, been used. Gonna be, I'm going to flamingo it up. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to have, well, we have to have yellow drinks, but other yeah. than that, I'm going to have flamingos everywhere. Everywhere. Perfect. That's perfect. Sally, can we have you on again sometime? Can you? Sure. I would love that. Yes. We would love that because I have learned more in this last hour with you than I, not than ever, but I just feel like it's so compact and there's so mm-hmm. much I want to unpack. unpack from that. That just we didn't made even so get much to how much I we didn't even get to ACOG. No, we didn't no. Even get to any of that. No, no. Yeah. I, there's so I much. Would, we can I'm going to put in a good word because I think it's a great interview to talk about the immune response mm-hmm. and fertility. Which yes, I, I am not a fertility speaker. No, but I've seen Dr. Vidali's slides on that, yeah. and it's it's it would make a great podcast. We're trying to We're get trying. him on. We're trying. Haven't heard back. Wait, what do you mean you're trying? He, I can make back. that happen. Okay, get okay. him on. You know, it works like I know. that. I, I know. Tell Can yep. you tell him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he goes with the mom. The, his mama is in Italy. So he'll go to Italy this particular month. Okay. Okay. Well... Yeah. I, if he needs a chaperone for that, he can just give me a call. Mm, he's trying so many times. There was a big conference in Italy, and I had a ticket and everything, and he still didn't let me go. Oh, what? Oh, man. Yeah. But then the dog ate my passport, which was a weird 
That's no. <laughs> that's Oops. like the homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but my dog did eat the pasta. Yeah. Oh, was it which one was it? The older the little puppy. Oh know, my gosh. Puppy. Oh, the, yeah. The They're little so white one, the yeah. troublemaker. The trouble. <laughs> you always have to have one. You can't have both angels all the time, Sally. You have to have- uh, well, Dolly is never an angel. <laughs> And she, she, but she's, she's a puppy. What are you going to do? She's so cute though. And, and Bailey is the uh, older one is smarter than us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she can manipulate the whole room with no one knowing it. Oh yeah. It's very hard. Poodles are tough. They are. Yep. They are. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sally, for joining us. If you have questions, if anyone out there has questions for Sally, you let us know. And then we will continue this conversation with you because there are so many more questions that need to be answered and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Sally if she doesn't know it knows someone who does know it to her best ability so if you have questions let us know but thank you for taking yes, the time thank today you so much. to do this, this with was us. a great one so powerful thank you awesome thanks for having me of course and until next time continue advocating for those you love and for yourself <laughs> <laughs>